Well, this morning we come to Exodus chapter 12. But before we begin to take a look at um, that chapter, I'd like for you to actually turn to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now I'm going to read through the first eight verses of 1 Corinthians 5 here. But I want to point out to you right from the start that it's not my aim this morning to talk about sexual immorality as is a topic here in this chapter, but rather instead just to kind of talk about sin in general. Um, sin, of course, is the reason that our Lord Jesus Christ came and died. Jesus came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Your sin, my sin, the sin of all the people of the world. And this is the reason that Jesus died. When we get to Exodus chapter 12 this morning, this will be the focus of our study. But I want you now to read with me here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. So it is indeed very clear that the Apostle Paul here was dealing with a very uh, specific circumstance of sexual immorality within the church in the city of Corinth. But let's read on, verse 2. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in the body but present in the spirit, have already judged as though I were present, him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so the problem here in the church, as Paul is dealing with with it, was that they didn't really seem to care very much that this sin was right there in their midst. Okay, Verse 2 says that they were puffed up. This speaks of pride. Um, Paul dealt with the Corinthians on a couple of occasions regarding their pride. It's very easy to see people act this way even today within Christian circles where we can fall victim to living in pride even though we know that sin is right there in our midst, in our churches, in our homes, and in, and in our own personal lives, right? But pride covers up the sin. People just live in a manner that gives the appearance that everything is good, when in fact, it's not good. And the Word of God here is pointing out to us that sin just can't be overlooked like this, but rather it must be dealt with swiftly, right, and severely. Reading verse 5 again, it says, Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, the flesh, the carnal sinful nature, must be destroyed, not coddled, not glossed over, not covered up, right, so that you can give a prideful appearance that all is well. Because it's important because salvation is 
in the balance, so sin must be dealt with. Much of Christianity is in a state of complacency today, a place where sin is kept in the closet of our homes and we expect to be saved in spite of it. And Paul goes on in verse 6 and says, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are truly, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So the key point here, again, is that Jesus died for our sin and that we need to get rid of the sin in our lives and not keep it around, not coddle it. We need to deal with it. Purge out the old so that all can be new in Jesus Christ. And verse 8 says, Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So when one comes to Christ... And when the body of Christ is gathered together, there needs to be a reverence about the way we live our lives, right? We are not meant to keep sin in our lives and then just profess salvation by grace. Again, we are to purge out the old. In Christ, the old has been done away with and all things have become new. Now, with all of this in mind, I'd like us to keep this in mind, but I'm going to go now to Exodus chapter 12. So back into our study of Exodus. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So we see very clearly here that God is telling Moses and Aaron that for the people of Israel, this event, that is the event of them being redeemed from their bondage in Egypt, this event is to be marked and to be honored in a very special way. Throw out the old calendar and mark this wonderful day as a brand new start. I talked last week about how it is all or nothing at all when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. We die to ourselves. We are born again. There is a new beginning. You throw out the old. You mark the calendar. You now have a new birthday. You have been born again. It doesn't matter for the people of God what calendar everyone else goes by. We have been made new in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, I'm giving, I'm speaking spiritually here. I'm giving you an, a spiritual analog, analogy to what we see taking place for the Israelites and for what happens when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. It's mark everything as new. Throw out the old. Okay. Speak. Verse three says, speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the 10th day of this month, Every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. 
Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So you see, all the people, all of them were going to be responsible for sacrificing the lamb. Every man, every household leader was to step up and to do this thing on behalf of their family. For the smaller families, the Lord allowed them to join together as one household and do this thing that he was commanding them to do. This lamb was to be killed by all, all of the congregation of Israel, right? In other words, everybody needed to be all in on this. No household would be excluded. And each person in that household was to eat of this lamb. Verse 4 describes going out and getting a lamb that was enough to feed everyone in the house that night. Be that a single family or a couple of families that had combined. Now again, we understand today that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, right? We also understand that Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. And as a result of sin, we, are all, we have all been made subject to death, right? And we are spiritually dead as a result of sin. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, was taken by the congregation of Israel and sacrificed. As verse 5 speaks of, right, so was Jesus. That is, He was without blemish. He was tempted in this life as we are, but He remained without sin. Verse 7 then says, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Okay, so the lintel is the horizontal support of wood that goes across the top of your door. And of course, the doorposts are the two vertical supports on either side of a door, right? You can picture the form of a cross as blood is placed on these posts. And this doorway course is the entry to the home the place where you eat the place where you live as a family the blood is on the outside where God will soon pass over and see it then verse 8 says then they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it so we see kind of three different elements there, if you will. The fire that consumed the sacrifice. Perhaps a a picture of God's judgment upon sin. In Hebrews 12, it says that we are to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. We also see here unleavened bread. Leaven is representative of sin in the New Testament, as we read earlier there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul said that we are to purge out the old leaven because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Here in Exodus, this is a sacrificial meal that was to be eaten with unleavened bread. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, speaking of the coming together of the Lord's Supper, It says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats 
and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So again, here we see the Israelites being instructed to eat this sacrificial, sacrificial meal with unleavened bread. And the element we see here in verse 8 is the other element is the, the bitter herbs, right? And the cross indeed was a bitter thing for Christ, the Lamb of God, to endure for us. Verse 9 continues and says, Do not eat it raw, nor boil it at all with water, but roast it in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. So to me, I see a portrait here of a total and a complete sacrifice. And coming to Jesus today, is exactly that. Coming to Jesus means having it no other way than what what God described for it to be. That's how we are to come to Jesus. Religion today allows people to change things around a little bit, right? Here God said to do it exactly this way. But religion today says, ah, you don't need to do that. Just be committed to this church and you'll be okay, right? This should not be the case, however, for the committed follower of Jesus Christ. Every part of us, like we talked about last week, all or nothing at all, right? Every part of us must be committed to full adherence to the instructions of God. Nothing shall remain left over from the past life. All should be consumed by God, the consuming fire. And when you have done this, when a person comes to this place in their life, they should at that point be ready to go, right? Remember, these people have come to that place where they are about to be redeemed now. They're about to be redeemed from the bondage of their slavery, okay? And the bondage of their slavery will soon be behind them. They are beginning a journey now to their promised land. And for the person that has come to Jesus Christ, they must purge out everything else in their life. Let it all be consumed and then be ready to go. In verse 11 here, we see a people, right, that the Lord God is instructing to be ready to go. It says, and thus you shall eat it. In other words, this is how you should eat this. With a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So do you see that? Their shoes were on and they were ready to go. And the question that I ask when I read this or the question that came to me is, are we ready to go? Are you ready to go? Have you sacrificed all to God who is a consuming fire? If today was your day to go, are you ready? Are you fully dressed, shoes on your feet, your staff in your hands, right? In other words, you're ready to go. You're ready to go and to the promised land to, to be with the Lord. We can't kid ourselves today, folks. We, we need to deal with sin that needs to be dealt with in our households and in our own hearts And we need to live a life that represents sincerity and truth like we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And we need to be ready to go.
There is a day of judgment coming for this world. Verse 12 continues here and says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. You see, this is the problem today, I think, in many cases. Uh, Well, the world doesn't recognize the Lord. Instead, the world has many gods. Mankind has fashioned many gods to their own liking. Man-made religions, idolatry, fornication, the redefining of this, the changing of laws for that. God is mocked in our society today. The Word of God is mocked. But God will not be mocked. Jesus is Lord. And He is coming again. And He someday will execute His judgment upon this world. Right? But for the people of God, again, I'll reiterate this. We need to be ready to go. We have to have purged out the old and be ready to go. Verse 13 says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And this is the key for you and me today. The blood of the Lamb, right, upon the doorposts of our lives. This is what will take you to the promised land. Again, dressed and ready to go, having purged out the old leaven, all sin, not being prideful and ignoring sin or covering it up in your life or trying to give an appearance as if the sin doesn't exist, right? The sin in our household, the sin in our congregations and such. But instead, we are to, in sincerity and truth, be ready to move on into the life that God has for us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. But coming to the Savior, coming to Jesus, is a life of complete consumption, complete sacrifice. Nothing about the old life shall remain a part of the new. This would be taking the body of Christ in an unworthy manner. Okay, It's a serious thing. The Lord God here will... Uh, explain to Moses and Aaron just how serious it is beginning in verse 14. So this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout all generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. So that's how important it is. Again, change the calendar. Throw away the past, that is, right? Come to the new life. Never forget what the Lord has done for you. Pass it on to your children. And we've talked about that a few times in weeks past, right? And to your children's children. When it comes to your life, Jesus is either Lord of all or He is not Lord at all. And we need to honor and remember what the Lord has done for us and pass it on throughout all generations. Now the Lord is going to go on here and give some very detailed instructions about this feast that the Israelites were to keep. He says in verse 15, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread 
from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So they weren't allowed to work, right? But they could take the time to prepare their food. Verse 17, So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. So this is the feast that the Lord is establishing with His chosen people Israel all the way back in the day here, right? The Feast of Unleavened Bread will always commemorate for them their being set free as a multitude of people. That's what's meant there by the word armies, a large group, a multitude of people coming out. Then the Lord in verse 18 here continues to give more detailed instructions to Moses and Aaron. He says, In the first of the month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. So again, the instructions from the Lord God here are very, very precise, right? In this, um, in this feast, right, how much leaven were they allowed to have in their households? Absolutely none, right? And with leaven representing sin for us today, how much of it does God want us to allow in our lives after we come to Christ? Absolutely none. Each and every day, we must fight against the sin that rears its ugly head in our lives, right? We must die daily to ourselves. Die to this flesh-led life and be alive in the Spirit of the Lord and led by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, there is leaven all around us, right? There's sin all around us. It gets into our households through every nook and cranny. It creeps outside our door, right? We go out into this world and, and leaven slash sin is everywhere. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life is all around us, but we must fight the fight of faith. Stay the course, fleeing from sin and seeking the path of righteousness. And we can do this today by fixing our eyes on Jesus and by taking up the cross as He did as we talked about last week as well, right? Loving God with every ounce of our being, our entire being, right? Don't coddle sin. Purge it out instead. So God gives Moses and Aaron all of these instructions. And, you know, and just as Moses always did, he will do exactly what God commands him to do and go and pass on these instructions to the Israelites, the children of Israel. And he begins in verse 21. 
Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for ourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Now, something... uh, we read this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is the fact that Jesus Christ is our Passover. All of this was what the Lord God gave to the children of Israel to do. Right back in the day, He gave it to them. But for all the world today, the keeping of this feast is not the answer to the problem of sin. Jesus, the blood of Jesus, was the final answer. The blood of Jesus is what sets us free from the bondage to slavery and sin and death. Jesus Christ is our Passover. Today, we observe Passover in a different way. We don't have to live out all the details that the children of Israel had to live out. Our sins are not atoned for by rituals that we are to do, that we are to perform today. Our sins are atoned for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we as households, as families, and even as a congregation, when we come together in remembrance of the Lord, right? And we take the Lord's Supper as it is laid out for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we are to, to do this in an honorable way and take it seriously. But I'm a big proponent of you doing this in your own household so that you can more carefully examine yourself as to where you are in Christ. Not that I'm against us doing it together by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's something that we have as something that we do regularly within our lives, that we examine ourselves as to where we are in Christ. Right? But again, the bottom line for us here this morning is that Jesus is our Passover. All that we see here in the book of Exodus as it relates to this feast and this Passover was all just a shadow of what has already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But Moses continues in verse 25 to pass on instructions from the Lord to the children of Israel. And he says, It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you just as He promised that you shall keep this service. Okay, so it wasn't going to just stop here. It was going to carry on when they got to the promised land. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So here again, we see a portrait 
of passing on to our children what the Lord has done in our lives. The children need to know. What's the reason, Mom? What's the reason, Dad? Give me some hope for my future. Is there a God? If so, can I know Him? You see, our children don't need to know all about a certain church today. They don't need to know a denomination or a non-denomination. They simply need to know what the Lord has done for us as our Passover. Right? They need to know the Lord. And if you profess Jesus but, but clearly have lev- a leavened-filled life, right? A sin-filled life, then we can't expect our kids to honor and to respect that or to carry on in the ways of the Lord if we allow leaven in our homes, right? So we need to, again, examine ourselves, get rid of the, the leaven, right? And tell our kids of the wonderful works that the Lord has done within us. So now in verse 29, what God said and what Moses passed on to the children of Israel, it's going to come to fruition now. And it says in verse 29, And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in in the night, he, all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was great cry in Egypt, for there was not a household where there was not one dead. So the final plague has finally come. God did what he said he would do. Today, we know that God will do what he said he's going to do, and that is Jesus is coming again. The word of God says he will. Warning upon warning was given to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh would not heed God. Today, in these last days, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should now live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works." What I just read to you was from Titus chapter 2. There will be no other way of escape provided. Jesus is the only way. You must be born again of the Spirit. Get rid of the leaven. Let the blood of the Lord Jesus cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because it's almost time to go. It's getting closer and closer to our day of redemption. The time is coming. Right, And we have reached this point in the book of Exodus here where Pharaoh is now ready to drive the people out of the land just as God said that he would. And speaking of Pharaoh, verse 31 says, Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise and go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. 
Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me. So it seems at least for now that Pharaoh is finally broken, right? He is, and I say at least for now, right? He is distressed after losing his firstborn. And now he is telling Moses and Aaron to get the people, the flocks, and the herds and get out of here. But bless me on your way out, would you please? And the Egyptians, says in verse 33, and the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So all the Egyptians wanted the Israelites gone. God's judgment was was upon this land. And again, keep in mind that for the people of the world today, there is still a judgment to come. For those without the blood of the Lamb upon them, there is a judgment to come. And soon we may see that they may want to drive the Christians out of the land today as well, right? Verse 34, So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. So here again we see a portrait of they were all ready to go at this point. Now the children of Israel, verse 35, Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. A mixed multitude went up with them, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. So you see, they got while the getting was good. They didn't hesitate to do all that the Lord had commanded them. This is key that we understand this. They didn't hesitate to do all that the Lord had commanded them so that they were ready to go when the time came, right? They didn't worry about packing up everything they owned. They took what they could carry and their livestock, and they took the opportunity that they had to escape this bondage. Now, for those listening to this teaching today, Is this your opportunity? Is the Spirit of the Lord prompting you that there is sin in your life that you need to drop, that it's time to come to Christ the Savior? Today is the day to throw out the old and begin the new. Start a new calendar in your life. Mark this day as the day that you were set free. Commemorate this day as the day that you were set free. Let's read on, verse 40. Now, the the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years that on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord. 
for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout all their generations. Right? Again, I can't help but picturing that this is what it should be like for the person that comes to Jesus Christ. It should be a solemn observance, something that changes things forever, something that is, is so impactful when you come to Jesus Christ and you've been purged of the old that you pass it on to your children. And it's something that you honor and that they honor for generations to come, right? And when a person truly comes to Jesus, it is indeed a solemn day, a day that will not only impact you, but your children, your family, your co-workers, your friends, your acquaintances, everybody will be impacted by that change in your life. Your life will never be the same in a very good way. Christ will rule and reign in your heart, and you will someday go to the promised land. The heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem that he has for us, right? Our eternal home. And in verse 43, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who is bought for money when you have circumcised him, they, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and let, then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus all the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. So just another reminder here of God's faithfulness as it is recorded in the pages of Scripture. He will do what He says He will do. You see, God's faithfulness is never in question. But mankind's faithfulness toward God is always lacking. We can never do on our own the things needed to be righteous before God. We will find as we continue on through the book of Exodus that even though God did such great wonders like this for the children of Israel, they would not continue to be faithful to Him. So they, like all the world, needed another way to become righteous. So along came God in the flesh, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, our Passover the one who shed his blood, innocent blood, in order that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So what do we do with the blood of Christ? Do we apply it to our hearts, to the doorpost of our hearts, our homes, our families? Or do we trample it under our feet and count it as a common thing? The blood of Jesus 
cleanses from all unrighteousness. But if we continue to walk in the paths of unrighteousness, have we truly come to the end of us? Has there truly been a dying of the old, a purging out of the old, and the beginning of something new, right? Is this the end of Pharaoh here as it pertains to the life of the Israelites? No, we will find that he will try to hunt them down and kill them. A hard-hearted man that just refused to come to the end of himself. And the question is, is have we come to the end of us, right? Have we sacrificed all to follow Christ? Has the consuming fire of God devoured the leaven and the unrighteousness within us, right? Are you ready to go? If today is your day, like I said earlier, are you ready for it, right? Purge out the old leaven. Burn everything up in your life that does not glorify God and get rid of all the malice and the wickedness. The day of redemption is at hand. Are you like Pharaoh? Right, who could care less about being obedient to the word of the Lord? Or are you prepared and ready to surrender all to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who convicts us, Lord, and, and shows us the truth and just we, we see the truth in your word, Lord, of who you are and all that you've done for us, Lord. And I just pray for all of us here and for all of uh, those that will listen to this teaching, Lord, that we will come to that place of absolute surrender, Lord, just total dedication, Lord, that you would show us the areas in our lives and the things that we need to purge out and to let go of, Lord. For you have done all to redeem us, Lord, and you require that we give you our all as well. So I pray your will to be done, Lord, in our lives in the coming week. And we just thank you and praise you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.